Before we dive into this week's episode, let's talk about Wolf and Shepherd. Wolf and Shepherd is redefining dress shoes with sneaker-like comfort. It's a classic dress shoe placed on an agile, athletic foam sole, so you get style with innovative comfort at the same time. Dress them up or dress them down for a more casual look. Gronk wears them, Steve Nash wears them, and you can too. Shop now at wolfandshepherd.com. That is Wolf and Shepherd, spelled W-O-L-F-A-N-D-S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D.com. One last time, wolfandshepherd.com. And now, let's get to this week's episode of the podcast. He didn't see the thing falling. He don't really know how a gangster gone ball. He don't really know if I run or stand tall. You don't really know till they're coming. No, till they're coming. We All right, what is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of In the Paint. Um, it is officially NBA playoff time, recording this Monday, April 11th in the morning, uh, the day after the final day of the regular season, which was yesterday, Sunday. Um, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to talk about the Masters for the first bit of this podcast, mostly just because um, I think there are some weird parallels the certain athletes in the NBA into what kind of went on in the in the Masters this past weekend. So if you didn't know, the Masters, you know, just happened um, Thursday to Sunday. Scotty Scheffler ends up winning the Masters. And, and to be quite honest, there were moments yesterday where on Sunday where there were some like, oh, is it going to get close? Is it going to get close? Because he started the day with a with a three shot lead. Um, there was a moment where it was down to one. And then Scheffler has the huge chip in on three, which I think basically kind of changed the entire complexion of the Sunday round. If he doesn't make that chip in, and then if Cam Smith just pars or birdies that hole, we're looking at a tie or a a one-shot swing where now Cam Smith is in the lead at that point. But instead, Scheffler chips in, puts it back to, to two, Cam Smith bogeys, it then stays at three. It was a you know a two shot swing at that point, and then Cam Smith implodes kind of in the back nine, and Scheffler just stays steady the entire time. There was moments where you could have thought it would go haywire, and he just stayed so, so steady. The roughest part of his back nine was when he four putted on eighteen because he knew he had it in him, or you know he had the the buffer with a three shot lead. Um, you know, so or I think he had a six shot lead or something like that. Whatever it was, he was he was good at that point. Or maybe it was twelve and seven. So he had a five shot lead um, and knew that he could literally do whatever he wanted on eighteen and would be fine. Um, but the reason I bring this up is because we have to talk about Tiger for a second. So basically, and the reason I'm gonna it'll make sense when I parallel it to the NBA. But essentially, like if you watched any coverage leading up to Thursday for the start of the Masters, it was all Tiger. We didn't cover Hideki, who had won last year, and he did have a bit of a bulging bulging disc in his neck, so he was still kind of really re- recovering from that. We didn't talk about Bryson, who had kind of, you know, who is always talked about in, in the PGA Tour. Um, we didn't talk about Scotty, who, you know, was on a massive tear, number one in the world at that point, and still um, going on this crazy run up until the Masters. We were only talking about Tiger. And it made me think about kind of just how we do the same thing in a lot of sports, but specifically the NBA. Um, And just kind of along this like MVP conversation where we are right now, um, 
so it's basically a three-person a three-person race right now. You could call it four if you want to include Luca, but it's between Jokic, Embiid, and Giannis basically. And I think honestly, Luca should be probably more in the conversation. But I think we've kind of noticed now it's down to three and and probably down to two. I, I listen. I think Giannis should win the MVP, and and I've I've changed my mind on that since you know for the past month or so. I was in Team Jokic, then I was Embiid, Jokic back and forth, and then the way that Embiid has performed in big games against both those guys, and he's dominated both those guys in the games that he's played against them. Giannis and and just what he means to that team, they all mean a massive amount. But um, and I think if Jokic isn't playing or if he's not at an MVP level, that team is absolute shit. Um, I'm not going to hold their sixth seed ranking against them because the team around him is so bad right now with all the injuries and everything. So what he's doing to keep them at the sixth seed is amazing. What Embiid doing leading the league and scoring as a center is amazing. And what Giannis is doing, just being the all-around best player from offense, defense, everything is amazing. So I think it's down to those three. But it is so funny that like storylines captivate the NBA so much. And the storyline of Tiger captivated the Masters so much, and we sometimes forget just about what's actually going on because we get so tunnel-visioned with storylines. For example, the storyline of MVP between Jokic and Embiid um, or the, the, the Brooklyn storyline, is Kyrie going to play? The mandates change. Now they're, now they're a scary eight seed or now seven seed, I guess. We'll talk about that in a little bit with the updates, but scary seven seed. Can they scare somebody? And instead, we're just forgetting about the Miami Heat and the Phoenix Suns, I feel like, most of the year because we're so storyline-oriented. And don't get me wrong, the Tiger Woods storyline was absolutely immaculate. But it took away from, can Hideki repeat? Or can Scotty Scheffler continue this run that he's on? And we just focused on Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. And he warrants that because of everything he's meant to golf and everything that he means to that sport and, and at the Masters specifically. Um, somebody brought this up. I think it was Rosillo, or maybe it was Rosillo or, or, or Simmons on their recent pod, that the Masters is the most protected probably. Again, I'm not. this is what they said, and I think it's worth, worth noting and agreeing with. It's the most protected environment for superstar athletes, Tiger specifically, but just golfers in general. It's the most protected venue for superstar athletes in all of sport. And the reason why, one, you can't bring a cell phone in. So no matter what's going on in real time, you can't really talk about it till after, and you might forget crazy things that happen. But for Tiger, between those ropes, when he walks through those gates, he is the most beloved human being on the planet at that moment. And everything that has happened outside of out of golf, personal, relationally, whatever, is forgotten. And he is the most beloved athlete in the world at that moment. And we forget about all other stuff because Tiger is at the Masters. And I think paralleling this and kind of moving this over to the NBA, the Heat and the Suns have been so much not talked about because we all just go to storylines. Again, Brooklyn. Um, the Lakers being so bad, LeBron chasing a scoring title, Russell Westbrook being terrible, John ja Moran at one point, the headline, dominating, should he be in the MVP conversation, the Grizzlies, whatever. And I think the Grizzlies are not getting talked about enough either because of these storylines, by the way. But the NBA is so storyline-driven and so superstar storyline-driven that we forget that there's other really dope stuff going on. Like what Phoenix has done, quite frankly, can't be talked about enough, but we go to storylines. 
Phoenix is 64 and 18. 64 and 18. Most wins in franchise history. And yet all we care about is whether it's Jokic or Embiid. The Heat, 53 and 29, with most of their superstars missing 10 or more games. They played. I mean, Max Struess a ton of minutes. They played, I saw this, I got to look up their roster because I saw somebody at one point was playing 30 minutes a night. Um, who, who am I looking for here? Um, um, Omer Yurtseven at one point was playing 30 minutes a night and producing at a decent rate. Victor Oladipo last night had 40 points. Tyler Hero is going to run away with the sixth man of the year. And because, and, and Bam Adebayo is in the conversation for Defense Player of the Year. He's not going to win it, but he's probably going to be top three, top five. And yet, all we care about is whether it's Jokic or Embiid. And don't get me wrong, the MVP race is probably one of the closest we've had in a while because usually it's kind of a runaway. But I just feel like we forget about just consistency. We don't, I think we, we overlook consistency because it doesn't make us feel a type of way. Consistency for, for Americans and just for human beings in general is boring. Because we equate consistency with being mundane and boring. But if we can get some drama, we love that. The Lakers drama, we ate that up. We talked about how shitty they were, which we knew from the beginning it wasn't going to be very good. But we just thought, oh, well, if LeBron and AD are healthy, it doesn't matter. Well, they weren't healthy, and, and AD missed most of the season, and LeBron is hurt off and on, and, and so whatever. So we love the inconsistency of the Lakers, so we talk about it. You know, Boston. We, we, talk about, we haven't talked about them a whole lot. We did, though, because they were so shitty at the beginning, and now they're great. By all metrics, the best team in the league. Not true, but... You know, whatever. If you go to 538, apparently they probably, they probably still have, I should probably look it up, but at one point they had them as the favorite to win the NBA Finals because of their defensive and offensive ratings at the time when we all knew that Phoenix is the best team in the league right now. So, you know, we talk about the Nets. We talk about the Warriors. We talk about the Lakers. We talk about MVPs. We talk about all this shit. And we forget that Phoenix is bar none the best team in the NBA. At 64-18, and 18, franchise most wins ever. And we forget to talk about the Heat, who has been the most weirdly consistent Eastern team all year, despite going through all their injuries that they've gone through. And it just made me think about the Masters and how we focused so much on Tiger's return, which, again, warranted it. And all the MVP talk and all the, the drama and, and storylines in the NBA warrants talking about. But I think sometimes we're just, as human beings and as sports media and as everything, we are so enamored by the drama, we forget to just sit in the moment and appreciate the consistent. That Miami was so consistent all year despite all the drama they went through, and obviously that Jimmy Butler incident with Spolstra and, and Udonis at one point. There was drama, and we talked about that for like a day, and then we just moved off of it and went to the Lakers. And we just forgot to talk about and listen, I, I, I maybe I'm have some blinders on because I only, you know, I, I try to watch as many networks as I can and listen to as many podcasts as I can and follow social media as best I can to try to get as many perspectives of where the NBA is right now. And I'm pretty certain I feel like I've we've missed a lot of the Phoenix Suns coverage because they've just been so good from last year to this year, you know, whatever. But I think it warrants talking about both of them, both these teams at the top, especially Mem Memphis too. They've had so much joy playing basketball, and they're so fun to root for and so easy to root for. And yet, all we want to talk about is Jokic or Embiid for MVP. So, 
that I, that just was I was thinking about that watching the Masters yesterday and just how it was kind of a shame that we didn't talk about Scotty Scheffler more. Obviously, we did on Sunday specifically, but like leading up to it, it was all Tiger. And I'm not shitting on Tiger. He didn't ask for that. He didn't plan that. He just wanted to play at the Masters. But the gravitational pull of Tiger is immense, and so we're going to talk about him. But then that means that everybody else kind of falls by the wayside. I mean, what Rory McIlroy did yesterday, shooting 7 under, or I mean, sorry, shooting 8 under, whatever it was, 64, shooting 8 under to end up 7 under and end up 2nd was immaculate. And it was still Tiger. And then obviously Scotty because he won. And then Cam Smith's implosion. And it was like, man, we just, we love the other stuff so much. And we don't want to even talk about just the guy who has literally been the best golfer on the hottest tear in a long time in Scotty Scheffler. But we want to talk about Tiger. And it parallels to the NBA, same thing. So that's my rant on let's appreciate consistency instead of just appreciating drama all the time, especially in professional sports. Let's appreciate what's going on in the moment with these teams versus, you know, the drama. Um, but that's not what you want to hear. You're not here for rants. You're here for, for talk about the playoffs. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to, um, playoffs are here. We're going to break down the play in first, and then we will talk about, um, where teams have ended up in the standings and where we see that those first round matchups going now that we have everything solidified again, last week in the or last week's pod, we talked about theoretical and it's still technically theoretical because the play-in is still hasn't happened, but we now know where everybody slots in in the playoff play-in matchups and the top six, so we can kind of have a better idea. Um, but let's first just let's recap the play-in, what that means, what what the format is, and then what the schedule looks like and how it's going to break down. So, if you don't remember, the play-in for the seven and eight seed now consists of four teams: the seven and the eight, the nine and the ten. So the seven and the eight will play each other. Both those games will happen on Tuesday night. Uh, Brooklyn, Cleveland first, and then um, Minnesota and L.A. Clippers, second matchup of the night because they're out in the West. Just a reminder, the 7 and 8 seeds both have the luxury of if they lose, they get to play another game. The 9 and 10, if you lose, you're out. The first one. So it's double elimination for the 7 and 8 seed. It's single elimination for the 9 and 10 seed. In the play-in. So how it will work, the 7 will play the 8. The winner of that matchup is the 7 seed locked in. The loser of the 7 and 8 then gets to play the winner of the 9 and 10, and then those two will play to determine the 8 seed. So again, there's your double elimination. The loser of the 9 and 10 is out, and then the loser of the 8 and 9 also is out. So, theoretically, right now, as it stands in the East, 7 is Brooklyn, 8 is Cleveland, 9 is Atlanta, 10 is Charlotte. If Brooklyn beats Cleveland, they are the 7, and then Cleveland would play the winner of the 9-10. Let's say it's Atlanta. Charlotte is out, and then Atlanta and Cleveland will play to slot into that 8 seed. Then they would obviously play, as we roll down the bracket, the 8 seed would be playing Miami, and um, the 7 seed will be playing Boston. So 3 and 6 and 5 and 4 already locked into their matchup. The 1 and 2 seeds are awaiting the play-in bracket. Same thing for the Western Conference. So Minnesota would play L.A. in the 7-8. The winner of that is the 7 seed. The loser of that would play the winner of the 9-10, and 10, which is New Orleans and San Antonio. The loser of that is out. And then 8 seed plays 9 seed to end up playing 
to playing the one seed, which would be Phoenix. Whoever gets locked in and wins the first between the seven and an eight would be playing Memphis in the first round. Three and six is locked in. Four and five still locked in in the Western Conference. So let's recap first Eastern Conference, who is one through six, and what those matchups will look like in the three, six, four, five. Miami locked in the one seed, Boston at the two, Milwaukee at the three, Philadelphia four, Toronto five, Phoenix six. Or sorry, uh, Phoenix. Chicago at the six seed. I don't know why I said Phoenix. Best team in the league, that's why. We're, we're making sure they get their consistent talk here. No, so again, Miami, Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Toronto, Chicago. Matchups, as of right now, solidified. Milwaukee playing Chicago first round 3-6 matchup. Philadelphia playing Toronto 4-5. We will talk about projections in a second. In the Western Conference, again, Phoenix and Memphis still awaiting their opponent. Golden State the 3, Dallas the 4, Utah the 5, Denver the 6. Golden State playing Denver first round, Dallas playing Utah um, first round. Let's pull up what Vegas has for... Um, first round spreads, first game spreads here. So um, I think I saw yesterday um, or late last night that um, in the first round matchup, let me go here, that, um, why can I not see... Hold on one second. I'm going to pull up I'm pulling up the first-round matchup. I think it's on the 16th, right? Okay, they don't have them yet. But, I mean, they do. I just got to find them somewhere. But, um, so, apparently, Dallas is favored by three, I think, in their first game against the Jazz. But the Jazz are actually slight favorites in the series. So, that was weird to me. Um, maybe I can pull up Bavada and see if they already have these listed. Um... But yeah, so it was interesting to me that Dallas favored um but um Dallas favored but then not favored in the series. So that was interesting to me, but um you know, no big deal. Nothing crazy. So anyway, um, I don't know why I can't pull these up. But let's let's talk favorites and let's talk spreads for the play-in game. So Cleveland and Brooklyn take on each other Tuesday night, tomorrow night. Brooklyn is favored by 8.5 at home. Um, I, if Jared Allen doesn't play, which it, because they signed Moses Brown to that contract because of that, seems very unlikely um, that... It doesn't that doesn't bode well for like the the team to think that Jared Allen is coming back. So for that reason, it's gonna be tough without Jared Allen. Um, so I would probably take Brooklyn. I don't know if I take them minus eight and a half because um, again anything can happen in a play-in. But I would definitely take Brooklyn to win and maybe knock that number down a little bit. But Brooklyn should be favored. Um, they'll probably end up winning that and locking into the seven seed. And then Clippers Timberwolves. Um, Clippers, or sorry, Timberwolves are favored by three. Man, I just love this Clippers team. I would probably end up taking them plus three and, and plus 125 to win the game outright. I just love this Clippers team. Um, but that's just me. And then on to Wednesday, the, you know, the nine and ten matchups. Charlotte, um, taking on Atlanta. Atlanta favored by four and a half. I think Atlanta might actually end up 
you know, I don't know. I'm just worried about both these teams against Cleveland. Um, but I would take Atlanta to win this one. Um, and then I would probably also take New Orleans against San Antonio, favored by five in that matchup. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I see the play in right now. Um, but let's kind of just walk through let's just walk through the the first round now that we have the bracket um, fully set here. So let's just again, let's just kind of say all things equal. Let's say the seven and the eights both just kind of lock into their their spots as it is right now. Again, um, this could all change. We will do another pod post Friday um, when the you know when the um, final playing games happen. So we'll do a we'll do a pod probably like Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon, uh, maybe even Friday evening, um, and talk about what the actual seedings and what we see. But let's just, again, lock in the 7 and the 8s to where they are right now. So that would be Brooklyn at 7, Cleveland at 8, Minnesota at 7, Clippers at 8. Let's just lock it in. So Miami taking on Cleveland, that seems like it could be a, a, a sweep. Maybe Cleveland steals one. So I would have Miami moving on in that one. Philadelphia, Toronto. Um, interesting storyline here. Uh, Matisse Thibel cannot play in games three and four in Toronto. Um because of his vaccination status and the mandates that are in Toronto, um, Toronto their va- their vaccine mandates um, state that and and to be fully vaccinated according to Toronto is you do have to be at least ten days out after your second shot of the you know the Moderna or the um, Pfizer and then at least ten days out of your single shot for Johnson and Johnson. Sounds like Matisse Thibel is not in that in that category. So he would be out for games three and four. So that would mean that Philadelphia already kind of thin in the starting lineup slash bench is now even more thin for games three and four. I think that makes this a very interesting series. I think that even makes this a seven game series. It might've already been, but now it really makes it that, um, I'm going to shock the world here and I'm going to say that Philadelphia loses round one to Toronto in seven. Um, Toronto moves on there. Milwaukee, Chicago, I think maybe Chicago takes one game, but this is probably a gentleman sweep. It's a really bad matchup for Chicago, who is reeling right now, not playing well at all. And then Boston taking on Brooklyn. I think this is a wildly entertaining matchup, um, but I would still say that I think because of Brooklyn's defensive efficiencies, uh, deficiencies, sorry, they're not very good on defense, Boston probably wins this in six, maybe seven, because Brooklyn just has two incredible scores. Um, but Boston moves on there. So I have Miami, Toronto, uh, Milwaukee and Boston on the east side. And then in the west, again, if we're holding everything true, um, the Clippers would be taking on Phoenix. Um, I would have Phoenix in four or five there. Maybe the Clippers are feisty in a game, but I would have Phoenix moving through there. Dallas taking on Utah. I think this is a wildly entertaining matchup, but I would take Dallas in six, maybe seven. Golden State and Denver. It's a really bad matchup for Denver, um, especially with Klay Thompson really starting to get into a groove now and, and hopefully Golden State fully healthy. Um, I'm going to take Golden State in, in six. Um, and then Memphis taking on um, Minnesota. I think this is just a bad matchup for Minnesota. I would take Memphis in six as well. So that would be my first-round matchups. Um, I'm not going to move on further just because, again, we don't have the full breakdown of who's going to be there I don't think it really would change anything in terms of like a lower seed really making a massive upset the only real spot that I see some sort of massive upset happening would be Brooklyn um and and listen I'm not a believer in Brooklyn I think they've shown their true colors defensively all year and history shows that you have to be top 10 offense and defense to be able to um 
to be able to win a title. Um, and if we go to you know NBA defensive rankings right now, um, we will see that they are not um, in that in that spot. Um, so let's go to defensive rating here. Um, Brooklyn is 18th, so they're okay, but with Kyrie on the floor, they are one of the worst defensive teams of all time. Um, so, yeah, I would say um, that would kind of be the only one that I would even think about doing. Um, but there's just it's just not happening um, in terms of a lower seed because of how dominant these top seeds have been. Um, so that's kind of where I would lie for first round. To give a, a preview of that second round, I think Dallas and um, I think Dallas and Phoenix is a wildly entertaining um, series, and I then think Milwaukee Boston is going to be great. Um, I think all the second round matchups are going to be so good. Golden State Memphis could be an all timer. Um, so that's just a preview of kind of where I'm not going to I'm going to tease a little bit and think that just. Just watch out for Dallas. That's all I'm going to say. I'm just so high on Luka right now that just watch out for that. Um, and Milwaukee being a three-seed is just terrifying because um, they're. I think they're going to win it all, but they're just terrifying as a three-seed. But that's how I have the first round, like I said, review. Miami, Toronto, Milwaukee, Boston, and then Phoenix, Dallas, Golden State, Memphis going very chalk um, in most of these. Other than that, we will see you in a, in a week, maybe less than that, Friday night, Saturday morning, to really break down. I'll give my entire, you know, um, everything. I'll give my playoff picks. Um, I'll give my MVP, all NBA teams. I'll do all of that. Um, in our ne- We'll have a massive episode next week just all, getting ready all things playoffs and, and awards and stuff like that. But just wanted to hop on here and kind of talk about playing games and just give a preview of um of the nba playoffs but that is going to do it for another episode of in the paint we will catch you in the next episode um to preview all things actual nba playoffs all right fam peace